Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 212 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. We'll get right into the episode after a word from our sponsors. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I've seen quite a few videos on social media recently of young women soliciting help in finding the perfect dress for graduation. Might I suggest you add Macy's to your list? They have lots of options for dresses that will transition perfectly from under your gown to that incredible dinner with family after the ceremony. Check out options from brands like On 34th, Michael Kors, DKNY, and many more. Shop at Macy's.com or in-store. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com slash RTP. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. We've talked here on the podcast about Black women's relationships with their mothers, and many of you have asked for an expansion of that conversation to discuss relationships with fathers. The term daddy issues is often thrown around, usually callously, to depict the difficulties some believe women have in romantic relationships as a result of the relationship they've had with their fathers. And today, we wanted to dig deeper into this to explore how Black women's relationships with their fathers can impact us. For this conversation, I was joined by Nick Hardy. 
Nick is a licensed clinical social worker who provides individual and couples counseling, as well as relationship coaching in Texas. He completed his master's degree in social work at the University of Texas Arlington and now works full-time as a therapist while completing his Ph.D. at the University of Houston. Nick and I discuss whether there is an impact on romantic relationships related to our relationships with our fathers, what kinds of qualities lead to healthier father and daughter relationships, healing from a damaged relationship with your father, and he answers some of the questions submitted by community members. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please be sure to share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Nick. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, we're very, very excited to chat with you in pop culture and just in our everyday language, we will often hear this term thrown around daddy issues, right? Mm -hmm. So this idea that if you don't have a strong relationship with your dad, then you're kind of doomed in all relationships with future men. And so I would love for you to just start by telling us a little bit about how, if at all, the father-daughter relationship influences a daughter's quality of relationships with other men. Yeah, absolutely. And so I definitely think it's not accurate, you know, to assume that you're doomed, right? If you didn't have your father or if you had an unhealthy relationship with your father. But at the same time, I definitely believe that fathers play a huge role in daughters and just their relationship with men. It's important, I think, for, you know, many women who don't have that healthy relationship to really just explore the impact that their father had on their lives, you know, whether it's through just them being absent or if they were inconsistent or if they were there and created a toxic environment, whether it's a man and or a woman, you know, but specifically with women, I definitely think there's an impact when there's an unhealthy relationship with the father. Can you say more about that, how you kind of see that show up? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it shows up in one of the biggest ways that I see is just the standard that you grow accustomed to, unfortunately. You see a lot of times many successful women who oftentimes find themselves in this cycle relationally. And then when you kind of dig a little bit deeper, you see that they had an unhealthy relationship with their father. And again, that's not all women, but a lot of times that's the case. And unfortunately, I think it's many cases because of this unhealthy standard. So as much as you know that it's unhealthy, as much as you know that it's intuitively this is not right, in some ways, unfortunately, you grow accustomed to it. And so as you kind of venture off into the dating world, in many ways, it's almost like this gravitational pull that takes you back to this unhealthy standard. And so it, that, that's one of the areas that I see. And you, you see it even in some of the statistics, you know, where you see a lot of times that there was abuse in the home. You know, people who were abused are more likely to be in a relationship with someone that's, that's also a, an abuser. And you're like, how does that happen? Out of all the people, how did you find the one person that was an abusive? It's because of that standard, unfortunately, you know, that becomes the norm. And then also, I think it just influences your perception of men as well. You know, if you grew up in a home and dad was not a positive role model, that's your first teacher when it comes to male daughter relationships. And so sometimes your perception of men is skewed. And so as you approach relationships, a lot of times it's through the lens of this skewed perception. And I think that has an adverse effect as well. So, Nick, I wonder if we can talk about because we know everybody doesn't come from homes with like moms and dads, right? Like some people mm -hmm. have two moms or, you know, a different family constellation. And so is it as much about the way that you see the man kind of interacting with other people or is it the way that you see adults interacting with one another? Yeah, I think it's about the way you see adults interacting with one another mm -hmm. in, inside of the home, mm -hmm. you know. And again, in a traditional sense, that's a man and a woman, but that's not always the case. I definitely believe that it's just how you see adults, you know, and as I always say, your parents are your first teacher, you know. Right. And so if the first lesson you learn about relationships is unhealthy, then how does that affect the trajectory of relationships moving forward? And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the bond between daughters and fathers and how that maybe influences future relationships. I think it's special, right? When you have a father-daughter relationship or bond, it's uniquely special, right? And so I think when that's not the case, when that bond is missing, I believe in what I've seen and just in my practice, a lot of times is there's difficulty establishing that intimate and close bond with men in general. 
again, that's not always the case, right? I definitely have seen enough instances where women, a lot of times who reach out for counseling, who have struggled, whether it's the man, it's the woman, or it's a mixture of both. A lot of times it goes back to that father factor. The bond between a father and his daughter is a two-way street too, right? I mean, you also have to think in terms of how a daughter positively influences a man. You know, he becomes more open, more vulnerable, you know, explores aspects of himself that he may not have tapped into. It's something about a daughter that just brings something out, you know? In that, I think a daughter is able to see various aspects of a man in different light. You know, it's not just, oh, dad, the, the provider. It's dad who, you know, has a more softer side, or a little bit more open, a little bit more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And can you say a little bit more, Nick, about this idea? Because I feel like this kind of taps into some of the other conversations we've had on the podcast just around like these gender roles in relationships. And so I hear you saying like sometimes a daughter brings this out in a dad. Can you say mm-hmm. more about like what that looks like? Well, I'll use a personal example. I have a daughter, you know, and she's like, hey, dad, get on the floor and play Barbies with me. You know, and typically that's not my (laughs) that's not what I do just on a day to day. But because it's my daughter and because I love her, I'm on the floor and I'm role playing and doing the hair and doing the nails. Only my daughter could bring that out. And so just that the willingness to get outside of your comfort zone and to just be open and just be in that moment. I think a lot of times is is an extension of that bond. You know, we often see like this gender bias when it comes to parenting, right? So little mm-hmm. girls should do these kinds of things. A little boy should do these kinds of things. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you recognize that for yourself in your parenting and, you know, try to make sure that you're being effective as a parent? Absolutely. I mean, we all have certain bias, you know, and I think you recognize it when you find yourself interrupting your child in their normal you know, just being per Mm -hmm. se, right? If my daughter grabbed a football and I'm like, hey, little girls don't play, like she's just grabbing a ball to her, Mm -hmm. right? But if I interrupt what's normal or just natural to her, then that's my bias coming through, you know? And in many ways, it's blocking her from just being who she is. I'm boxing her into what I believe or my perception of what a woman should do. And the same happens with the son as well, too. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I want to go back to an earlier part of our conversation because you said sometimes you will see in adulthood, you know, if they've not had a healthy relationship or if the relationship with dad was toxic. I'm wondering what some of those unhealthy characteristics or toxic behaviors might have looked like, like what kinds of things between a father and daughter might show up later in life? Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, again, I think one of it is just the decision making process. And the filter when it comes to selecting men, I think that's where you see it most often. You Again, you'll see someone who is super successful, well accomplished. But when it comes to relationships, there's a discrepancy like, man, why didn't you see these red flags? Or why you know, do you keep kind of going after this same type of man? And I think that's where you first see it just in in the decision-making process, you know, and sometimes you're going to catch a couple of brothers to surprise you, you know, but a lot of times it's obvious. And I really believe that is in many cases, a direct reflection of just the unhealthy relationship that a woman may have with her father. And again, not always the case, but a lot of times it is. Mm-hmm. And do you think it is them kind of trying to find their father in partners? Yeah. Is yeah, that what it is? Okay. I think that's part of it, you know? And then mm-hmm. again, I think it's it goes back to that just, it's normal, right? And we gravitate to where we're most comfortable. And so if you have a relationship with toxicity, as much as you know it's toxic, in many ways, that's where you're most comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so again, I think you keep going back, whether it's to, to find your father. And sometimes you go back to, in a way, to try to heal your father, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you see a lot of times many daughters take on this role of I'm going to fix him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not him. It's really the father that they're trying to fix. Yeah. And, yeah. Either heal the father or heal the relationship they wish they would have had with their fathers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Through, through this relationship. Mm hmm. So if you, and it sounds like you see this, you know, relatively often, maybe in your practice, what does it look like to identify and like break some of those patterns of, you know, kind of continuing to try to 
heal your father or heal your relationship with your father in your present day relationships? How do we recognize that for ourselves and do the work of undoing that? Yeah, yeah. I think so. First, I think it's just awareness. You know, I think when you begin to like when I begin to work with a lot of women who have, you know, experienced this trauma and just abandonment and just all types of issues as it relates to their father, sometimes as a way of coping, you know, they've just pushed through it, you know, out of sight, out of mind. But when we sit down and we really just begin to go deep and really talk through it, there's a lot of hurt that was covered up, you know, and a lot of hurt. Sometimes it's revealed and just becoming aware of it in and of itself makes you more able to address some of those areas because you can't fix anything that you don't know exists. And so that's a huge part of it. Going beyond the surface, going beyond what may be obvious to really tap into some of these hidden areas is the first step. And then from there, depending on what it is, you know, really being able to work through that process, it you know, put certain resources in place and just kind of support them as they go through that process. And I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for parents who might be listening or joining us for how they might be able to do some of this healthy relationship modeling for the young people in their lives. Mm -hmm. I think one of the best ways that a parent can model healthy relationships is through their relationship with their spouse. You know, and I'm, I'm speaking specifically to fathers. And even if you're not with the mother, right, I think you can still be in a healthy relationship and you can't say, oh, I love my daughter and then mistreat a mom. You know, the, the two just don't go together. So kids learn by observation. And so if she observes you as a parent doing healthy relationships, you know, being kind and generous and following through on your word. And I mean, just all of those things that go along with making a relationship work, then without you ever saying a word, you're already setting the standard of what a healthy relationship looks like. And I guess, you know, kind of going back to our earlier point, not only between like romantic partners or maybe former romantic partners, but even with other people in their lives, right? You know, like Mm if mom has a healthier relationship with her own dad, that is also something that the young person picks up on. Oh, yeah. 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 And and, I mean, at work and coworkers and even the waitress, you know, I Mm -hmm. mean, just all of these small interactions, you know, if I, you know, go to church and then leave and then curse the waiter out, you know, it's, it's, it kind of creates a a weird picture for a child. Mm -hmm. And so the kids are always watching. Kids are always watching. And I I read this quote one time that just stuck out with me. It said the kids have a great recorder, but are horrible interpreters. Mm. And so a child is always recording what their parents are doing, whether it's with their significant other or spouse, whether it's, you know, the barber, the beautician, like just how you live your life. Kids are watching and they pick up on that. And because kids traditionally look up to their parents before they even know that they're looking up to them they're paying attention and they're watching these these different interactions. More from my conversation with Nick after the break. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. 
They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API Scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. How many times have you arrived in Orlando and suddenly realized you forgot the kids? But then you remember, you had no intention of bringing the kids. You are in Orlando to enjoy yourself. It's an amazing opportunity to have fun and experience all the fun Orlando has to offer. Sure, Orlando is known as the theme park capital of the world, but there's so much more to this destination. It's the place where adults can become kids again, and happy hour happens any hour with never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, and outdoor adventures from zip lining to its beautiful natural springs. And, of course, fireworks every single night. Plus, you have loads of entertainment options, see unique neighborhoods, and can even visit their blossoming arts and culture. Orlando has everything for an amazing getaway with your loved ones or friends, including exciting thrill rides, lush, lazy rivers, and world-class golf and spas. Yes, there's more to see, do, and experience than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. You know, Nick, I would love to hear kind of what kinds of questions you are asking to help people kind of unlock maybe some of these things that are unconscious for them around their relationships with their fathers. Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it really is. What specific questions am I asking? You know, I always ask them if they could go back and get one thing, what would it be? Or if there was one missing element to their relationship. You know, if they could fill the gap, what would it be? And just, you know, and a lot of times I capture those questions through memories. You know, tell me a time where you wanted your dad to be there and he wasn't, you know, or tell me a time that stands out most that that you always seem to go back to. Because those vivid memories oftentimes connect to a larger picture, you know, and it's not the incident itself, but it's what it represents. So, for instance, and this happened recently. I'm, I asked a you know young lady like she was talking about her dad saying that he was going to come pick her up, but then never showed up. And then I asked her, "What does that represent to you?" And she said, "For her, it represented that men are undependable. You know, men can say one thing but then do something totally different. And so, in her current relationship, anything that was remotely close 
remotely close, you know, to someone not following through, she had a very visceral reaction to it. And it could be as small as, hey, I'm going to put that dish up to, you know, you forgot to take the trash out. You know, to her, it was you didn't follow through. You didn't do this. And and I'm not going to allow someone to come in and not do what they say. But it really stems from the, the trauma that she experienced growing up. You know, so I really try to capture that one question in terms of memories, instances, you know, where they were most impacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we've talked about, you know, how sometimes women will try to work through or heal their father through relationships. Another thing that can happen is that they want to avoid relationships altogether. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes you see this when people kind of are throwing themselves into their work or like, oh, I don't need anybody kind of thing. Right. Like some mm-hmm. of that can be a result of that trauma as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see that a lot, you know, and then sometimes with life, it catches up to you and you say, you know what? I actually do want a relationship. And that's happened just through counseling. A lot of times women have said, you know what? I've been carrying this this facade of not wanting something that I really do want, but was afraid that I wouldn't be able to obtain. And so that's a whole nother conversation. You Mm -hmm. know, have you seen a difference in things that show up for somebody who maybe had an unhealthy or toxic relationship with their dad versus dad not being present at all? Does that look different? It does. But in many ways, it doesn't. You know, I think it really just depends. Sometimes as crazy as it sounds, it's actually better that dad wasn't there. Mm. because, And I mean, that like breaks my heart to say, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it really does. But if dad is in the home and he's abusive to mom, then you're almost re-traumatized every time you witness that. If he says, hey, I'm coming this weekend, and then he comes, but then the next three times he doesn't, like that's re-traumatizing and that's hope met with disappointment. And so when dad's not in the equation, sometimes you can at least establish some normalcy that provides consistency. You know, Mm -hmm. I still think there's, a lot of issues to unpack when dad's not in the home. And I definitely would not encourage it, but sometimes it's a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. So we have gotten a question quite a lot around sisters who are healing after the abandonment of their fathers, right? So I would love for you to be able to talk about maybe if you've had any experience working with clients or things that you would share for people who have dealt with this very significant loss in their lives and feeling abandoned by their fathers. Yeah, I think it's real. So I think even just that, right? Embracing the reality of what you didn't get and in many ways what you can't get because for whatever reason, dad's not in the picture, you know? is a part of that healing process. And I think you can heal and still be hurting too. And so even just acknowledging that is important, right? Just because you still experience some hurt and, you know, some resentment doesn't mean that you're not working through your own healing. It's just like when you lose a parent, right? You still feel that pain. You know, it may not be as intense, you know, you, it may not be as pervasive, but for many people, it could be the smallest thing and you just have a vivid memory of, when your parents were there, you know, so the goal a lot of times isn't so much to not feel anything, but to not allow those feelings to impede other relationships and other aspects of their lives. Wow. You said a mouthful there, Nick. I mean, and I think that's incredibly important because I think related to, you know, issues with their father, issues with anything in your life. I think a lot of people really stop themselves from starting this healing process because they're afraid of like, how am I going to manage this? Right. Like this feels like such a huge hole. How can I possibly put myself in a position to even, you know, manage the enormity, I think, of the sadness or whatever that might pipe up for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where just support comes along, you know, whether it's through counseling, whether it's through, you know, family, whether it's through trusted friends, you know, because you're not alone. I think that is sometimes a very heavy emotion to carry by yourself. And so I wouldn't encourage that. I would encourage to enroll the help of other people. And even when you need help processing and just dealing with the onslaught of emotions that, that sometimes comes about, when you go there, <laughs> you know, just being able to lean into your your relationship with other people is super important. Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier that kids are great recorders, but horrible interpreters. I would imagine that a lot of this work as an adult really is about taking care of that young child 
a long time ago, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the work that you're doing as an adult is now like soothing that young person inside of you who didn't grow up with your father or, you know, felt abandoned or felt like you didn't have the relationship that you wanted to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, there's a, a little girl in every woman and it's kind of a little boy in every man, right? So sometimes we're responding or reacting to situations based off of that. It's just real. You know, you see it. And I think sometimes we we get blinded sometimes by accomplishments and the strength. But man, when dad wasn't there, there's a part of us that still may wrestle with that. So can you say what that looks like? Like maybe when you're working with a client, like what would the process of you helping them start to heal look like in counseling? Yeah. So, I mean, in addition to kind of exploring some of those aspects, one of the the biggest ways I help people is I'll give you an example. So someone who and and I'm generalizing here, of course, this isn't everyone, but say someone has a very anxious attachment style, you know, and it's really driven from this fear of abandonment. You know, me really helping them understand the origins of that anxiousness, you know, and it's not their spouse who came five minutes late. It's really this fear of them never showing up. And so really being able to process what is happening currently versus your response or your fear based off of what if what may have happened in the past, you know, and then really kind of looking at some alternative coping strategies as well, too. You know, so you can kind of sit and just process those emotions without reacting in a way that's unhealthy. And again, it looks different for so many different people, but just using that anxious attachment style as an example, you know, I've seen that to be beneficial when you look at alternative ways to really respond to the feeling of anxiousness. And part of it comes with understanding where it came from, but then also it comes with developing new habits as it relates to when it does happen. You know, this happened. Traditionally, I responded like this. Now it's this happens. I look at responding a different way, you know. Mm-hmm. And as a result of responding a different way, a lot of times my relationships benefit and they're in a healthier place, you know, because I'm not coming home saying, well, you said you're going to call at three o'clock and it's three oh three. You know, it's like, you know what? Yeah, you should have called at three, but it's it's OK. <laughs> you know, it's OK. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Can you say a little bit more about attachment styles, Nick? I mean, I think that that's something we've talked about on the podcast before, but for anybody who maybe doesn't know what attachment styles mean, can you give us a little primer on that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, attachment styles, essentially when your relationship with your parents growing up in your early childhood, I mean, initially this is where it came from, is, you know, people developing a secure attachment. But as adults, especially when we didn't have a secure attachment, people respond differently. So, for instance, some people have an anxious attachment style. Some people have an avoidant attachment style. On the other extreme, outside of the anxious attachment style, where is someone who overly responds, the person who has an avoidant, they under respond. You know, something comes up in their relationship that's challenging. They just shut down. I'm not dealing with that. You know, they go the complete opposite direction. And so, again, two polar opposites, two extremes. uh, But attachment styles essentially is just how you attach to other people in the context of your relationship based off of some of your early childhood experiences. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. You know, Nick, I work primarily interpersonally with clients. And so I'm very curious One, because there are not many brothers in the field, right? So I'm sure you are a bit of a unicorn just in the field. But also someone particularly working with women with other issues, right? I would Mm -hmm. imagine that there is maybe some transference, some dynamic that is created that would look very different if they were talking to me about Mm -hmm. relationship issues with their father. Can you share a little bit about maybe like some of the things that you have worked through or some of the things that have come up because you are a male therapist? Yeah, it boils down to this one line that I hear almost every week, and that is, I just want a man's perspective. Mm. I just want a man's perspective. Same issue. You know, I just want a man's perspective. Like as a father, as a husband, talk me through this. And a lot of times it's hearing from a man is what I'm feeling. Is that okay? You know, it's a weird way. It's like this, you know, validating some of the emotions, Mm -hmm. you know, in many ways. 
I feel hurt from a man. It's similar, very similar to what you would probably share. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not identical. I would hope, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I'm saying what Dr. Joy is saying, then we good, right? <laughs> <laughs> but because it's coming from a man, sometimes it may resonate differently, you know, mm-hmm. or again, if there's a certain cycle in the intimate relationships, right? It's like, okay, I've been going through this. I've been going through this and I hear my girlfriends, but I want to hear from someone else who's a professional. And so I get a lot of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, for anybody struggling with feeling like they've been abandoned by their father or other men in their lives, like the um, consistency of like seeing you every mm-hmm. week on time, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that also kind of helps to change this narrative about like what men do in my life. Oh yeah. 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 And that's, you know, that's one of my prayers as well too. You know, I'm not perfect. Right. But just seeing a professional who operates professionally, mm-hmm. right. I'm married, I, you know, got a daughter, you know, there's no funny business. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just that I would hope provide some hope, you know, that, Hey, like, hold up, you know, I'm not a YouTube star, you know, there's just saying random stuff. I mean, it's, it's back. I mean, obviously a lot of evidence-based interventions and support. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely, even though it may not be articulated in that way, that is my hope that right. through that consistency and just operating with integrity that it does, you know, create a different narrative. Mm-hmm. Have you had to deal with any of that, Nick? You mentioned like you're not a YouTube star. Um, have you had to do a lot of kind of unlearning from what people may be learning from YouTube? Not so much me, uh-huh. right? Uh, but people do come with, I heard this on, you know, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think I don't necessarily have to unlearn because I am intentional on what I, I listen to. But a lot of people come with a lot of advice that they've heard via social media. Mm-hmm. You know, I even have good friends who reach out to me like, what you think about this? You know, this is some good stuff right here. And really, I'm like, uh, maybe, <laughs> you know, right, right. probably not. <laughs> More from my conversation with Nick after the break. Hey, ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a backseat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve, 
and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API Scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. How many times have you arrived in Orlando and suddenly realized you forgot the kids? But then you remember, you had no intention of bringing the kids. You are in Orlando to enjoy yourself. It's an amazing opportunity to have fun and experience all the fun Orlando has to offer. Sure, Orlando is known as the theme park capital of the world, but there's so much more to this destination. It's the place where adults can become kids again, and happy hour happens any hour. With never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, and outdoor adventures from ziplining to its beautiful natural springs. And, of course, fireworks every single night. Plus, you have loads of entertainment options, see unique neighborhoods, and can even visit their blossoming arts and culture. Orlando has everything for an amazing getaway with your loved ones or friends, including exciting thrill rides, lush, lazy rivers, and world-class golf and spas. Yes, there's more to see, do, and experience than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. So, Nick, do you have thoughts about what role do we have in shaping the relationship with our father, if at all? And I would imagine that this changes throughout your life, right? Like this might look different in adulthood than it would when you were five. Gosh, that's a good one. And a lot of people are at this crossroad, you know, and they say, I want this relationship with my father. Obviously, he's been out of the picture. What role do I have in mending that relationship? You know, and so a lot of times what I encourage people to do is first, your responsibility is to your own healing. Right. And so that sometimes doesn't come through you reestablishing a relationship with your father. And when you kind of own that, right? Like, hey, my dad, for whatever reason, wasn't there. It created this harm, but I'm going to own my healing, even though I wasn't responsible for causing the hurt. You know, I think that helps create a certain expectation when it comes to reengaging your father, right? And so the second thing I encourage people is, Engage so as long as it's safe. You know, if you find yourself being re-traumatized, then it may not be safe for you to re-engage that relationship. And then the next step comes into being able to be at peace with what you didn't get through your father. And that's a tough one. You know, it really is because a lot of times, a lot of clients I work with are like, I just don't understand. You had a great daughter. Why weren't you there? And I feel like that's one of the eighth wonders of the world. You know, I don't understand it either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, and that's tough for me, to be honest with you, because that's one of the few times in therapy where I'm just completely stuck. I don't get it. You know, and we can make up all these reasons. Oh, your mama was this. And, that. you know, I mean, that, that just doesn't make sense. Right. Because the truth of the matter is. People have been in similar, if not worse, situations and have still been there. Yeah. You know, 
And so when I have a, a client, specifically a woman that's, that's, you know, I'm working with and she's in tears and she literally is at a loss. And I had men who've been in this place too. Like, man, why wasn't he there? I had men in my office all the time in tears. Like, I can't get it. I can't understand it. Especially when you have a child yourself and you see just the beauty and the joy that comes along with that. And it's like, how do you walk away from this? You know, mm-hmm. that's tough. Yeah. And I would imagine that because it, it doesn't really make sense. Right. And I think that is the tough part of our job as therapists is that we're not always going to be able to help you make it make sense. But mm-hmm. we can sit with you in the ambiguity. Right. Absolutely. That it doesn't make any sense. And I think it's really hard to think about any other reason besides it being something that I did, right? Like I was unlovable or I wasn't a good child or I wasn't, you know, when you said the thing about, you know, like I was such a good daughter, it made me think about how many people then spend their lives trying to be like amazing because Mm -hmm. they want to make this like father who isn't in the picture, like proud of them, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like I agree with you. I think that is a very difficult thing because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And that's an important part of it, too. Right. Not internalizing someone's mistakes mm-hmm. as your own. That's very tough because, again, we I mean, it's just how our brains are wired. Like we try to understand. Right. You know, like, well, there has to be a reason, <laughs> you know. And so and I think when we, quote, find a reason, I think that's where we borderline start to justify, you know, this happened and therefore that didn't happen. You know, and it almost takes the responsibility away from the person who needs to own the responsibility of not being there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would imagine that that is whether they know it or not. A lot of what brings people to therapy is that they have spent all this time trying to pick apart why something didn't happen based on somebody else's behavior when it really has nothing to do with us. But yeah, it's nothing you've done. Nothing. My daughter could she could shoot me, you know, and I'd probably be like, oh, man, that's messed up. But I'm still going to be there. <laughs> You know, so it literally is a decision that someone makes that is apart from you. And I think that's a message that many women need to hear. You didn't do anything that made him not be there or show up in the ways you would have liked. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a couple of community questions that we're sending that we would love to get your thoughts on. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one is. How do you develop a relationship with your father when he doesn't feel like he has to explain a 20 year absence? Well, I think you. Again, I think this goes back to the expectations that you have with the relationship. You know, is the expectation for him to understand or is the expectation for you to meet him where he is? You know, and I think this speaks to the conversation around boundaries. Because, again, some people, unfortunately, are just incapable. Like they don't have that level of introspection to say, I wasn't there for 20 years because of me. I made that decision. Some people continuously blame situations, individuals for them circumstance. And so if that's the case, you know, then I would recognize that like, man, my dad is he's not going to get it. He's not going to own up to his part and not being there. And if that's a requirement for you to have a relationship with him now, then I think you just have to, to really reconsider that, you know, but a lot of times it's not, you know, it's like, you know, despite him not being there, we can meet at this area, whether it's through the grandkids or whether it's just an occasional, Hey, how you doing? And it's not really trying to get them to understand something that they haven't done. Hmm. Yeah. And I think I've heard from people, too, that will also bring up a fresh wound when they maybe see dad interacting with the grandkids in a way that he was not able to do for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it does. It, it yeah. definitely does. You know, and a lot of times from a man's perspective or a dad's perspective who wasn't there, it's almost as if they're trying to make up for what they didn't do. Mm hmm. You know? Another question. I don't know how to truly move past being a past daddy's girl, but was so blind to who he really was until I grew up. Even writing this and thinking about how the last time I saw him, I wanted to take him out is hard. How do I work through it? It affects how I view the man I want to father my children. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, again, I think this is where therapy helps, you know, being able to really process and understand the extent of 
who he really was versus maybe the image that he portrayed, because we all fall short. None of us is perfect. And a lot of times, depending on the relationship, we look up to our parents in this idolized image, you know, but mom gets tired, too. (laughs) You know, just because you didn't see it doesn't mean it never happened. And so sometimes when we're exposed to the real person, it is like eye opening. Now, in an extreme form, right, if someone was abusive or like totally a cruel person and you were totally blind to that, then I think that it's important to be able to process the hurt that came along with that and identify ways in which you can engage the relationship now because you learn new information, you grow, you can't always fit where you are now into where you were, right? You're not 13. And so being able to make that mental shift, I think is important, but then also being able to process the hurt that the new information brought about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's critical. And then one last question. How do you heal relationships where the father committed infidelity? Whew, that would be the last question. You know, and I laugh about it, but I tell you, I hear this a lot. Yeah, I really do. Because you. Yeah. How do you heal when when so. I mean, it seems like it's kind of similar to the last question, right? Is that, you know, depending on maybe when you found out about the infidelity, like if it's something that you found out later in life or did you find out, you know, while it was happening and that's what made the relationship between mom and dad end, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it would kind of depend. Yeah, it, it really does depend. I was I was about to phone a friend and be like, I'm going to talk about <laughs> Zoe on this one. <laughs> but I really do think it goes back to the notion of hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hurt by a decision you made. Yeah. Whether that decision was to not be there, whether that decision was to have an outside family, or whether that decision was to not follow through on your engagements, I mean, your commitments, it still goes back to a disappointment. An expectation is here, the reality is here, and everything in between is disappointment. And so, I don't want people to go to the extreme of trying to make excuses for dad. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that happens a lot. But even that is a way to kind of like protect. Right. That image. But you can forgive. You know, you really can. And you can move forward in forgiveness. And so that, again, is a process in and of itself. But it's possible. But giving yourself the time, the space and doing the work to actually work through that is critical. Another thing that's important in that is dad's role. If dad is still at a place where he hasn't accepted responsibility, sometimes it makes that forgiveness a little bit harder. Yeah, because I think the other complicated piece here is that you are dealing with what this means for your family that may now look very different, but you're also wanting to be protective of mom, I would imagine, Mm -hmm. right? You know, so you're trying to figure out your feelings about your dad, but we know, and probably a lot of us don't get this until we become adults, that your relationship to your parents is very different than the one they have with one another. And Mm so, you know, how do you maintain that relationship while also letting the adults kind of work out what's going on between them? Yeah. And you almost have this connection too with mom, especially if you've experienced something similar in your dating or marriage life. You know, it's like this, man, I see what mom was going through. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to understand as a child. You just see the separation, you know, or the impact. But as you get older and you're able to process your own experiences, a lot of times things make more sense, you know, or they sometimes can become more confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It really depends. So, Nick, can you share any resources that you find particularly helpful in like working with clients around these kinds of issues? Anything that you find yourself recommending over and over? Yeah. So here's a book I recommend at least once a week, and that is Harriet Lerner, The Dance of Anger. Mm -hmm. It's not so much directly tied to father daughter relationships, but it is tied to stopping the cycle. And that cycle a lot of times happens because of father-daughter relationships. And again, the issues as it relates to, quote, daddy issues, they show up in relationships in so many different ways. But I keep going back to that book a lot of times. And I literally have clients who reach out and say, this book changed my life. This book helped out so much because it 
speaks to us owning our own healing and not putting that on someone else. And that gives us a sense of control and power over the situation as well, too. Like, yeah, I didn't cause this hurt, but I'm going to take the steps to be able to move forward and not Mm -hmm. allow what happened to me to continue to negatively impact my life. Got it. Any others? Attached is another Mm -hmm. really good book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just kind of learning different attachment styles. And again, our attachment styles in many ways are the result of our relationship with our parents. Yeah. So I think that's a, I think it's like Amir Levine or somebody like that. Uh huh. That's correct. Who wrote that book. So that's a really good resource. And then just therapy, you know, being comfortable to be challenged in therapy as well. You know, growth happens when there's some element of friction, you know, so being able to embrace that. You need to feel safe. You need to feel comfortable, but then you also need to be challenged a little bit too. And so embracing that a lot of times is a good way to move forward. Perfect. And where can we find you, Nick? What is your website as well as any social media handles you'd like to share? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at uh, nickhardy.com and that's N-I-C-H-A-R-D-Y. Instagram, nickhardy underscore. Again, that's just N-I-C. And Facebook is just Nick Hardy Counseling. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate you sharing your expertise with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Joy. I'm so glad that Nick was able to share his expertise with us today. To learn more about him and his work, be sure to visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 212. And don't forget to text two of your girls to tell them to check out the episode as well. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic or just be in community with other sisters, come on over and join us in the Sister Circle. It's our cozy corner of the internet designed just for Black women. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, 
give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Forum believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Forum is there.